morning it is wednesday morning the 20th of june and the sun is rising all around our country and the tomb is empty that is good news indeed we know our savior lives so there is always hope and always future in his beautiful kingdom of jesus you're listening to faith radio mornings i'm your host dr peter kapsner and i am joined now in studio by one of our regular contributors to the program <laughs> this is bill english is in the studio with us uh, good morning bill well good morning most reverend high dr peter kapsner you know stuff like like that will get you invited back every hour. You just you know, really, keep, keep really? working through that. Okay. Yeah, that's morning. It's very helpful. Uh, Logan that. Roush will be back with us tomorrow. He's terrible at bringing the name into it. He just can't say it quite right. So we'll, we got to work on him a little well, bit. Well, PSN is a hard set of consonants it, to say. It, it really is. It's a terrible last name. <laughs> so we were uh, we talked with Dr. Kent Kaiser uh, just right. obviously a few moments ago, and I just want to point out for our listeners in the Twin Ports as well as in Fargo that if you are participating in the Trump rally or you just see some of what's happening around you we would love to hear from you just get some eyes and ears in the scene it's just always helpful to get first person perspective on that give us a call shoot us an email we'll read some of your comments on the air tomorrow and uh, matt at the break you made the point that i have my oceans 13 14 15 11 13, all, all the, you know the characters messed up that i actually referenced one of my 1980s favorites pop stars that being uh, billy ocean is a singer caribbean queen 1984 i can still hear that playing <laughs> in my head from the time it's actually danny ocean who is the the thief in these movies and and bill i don't know if you saw the headlines but we've been talking a bit about uh, the burglars that repelled from the roof down into this best buy and they stole uh, at least a hundred thousand dollars worth of apple products and uh, and it was a mission impossible kind of scene from what i understand why would you steal am i on you yeah, am I on? Okay. I think I hear you okay. Yeah. Okay, because okay, then the light isn't working over here on, I got my, it. on my panel. Why would I, why would anybody steal $100,000 worth of Apple products? Well, that we, is beyond me. We did sort out. It's only really a couple personal computers is what you get for that. But, oh, okay. But you're going to alienate right. the rest of my family because I walk in and I feel that it's this Mac uh, Apple ecosystem every every day when I walk in. And I'm this holdout in the PC. I get it. I'm the only one that gets viruses on my computer in, in our family, but I'm still holding out, Bill. Well, yeah. I, I, to me, Android's way to go. Um, I'm not an Apple guy at all. My daughter does the iPhone thing. I don't get it. Yeah. So. And, and once you're in, right, then you're in. I mean, you're buying thousands of dollars of products at this point. Oh, well, yeah, Apple, and so. I have bought thousands of dollars of products at Best Buy. Sometimes I wish I knew how to repel. <laughs> well, we'll, uh, we'll take a, a quick break here, uh, and uh, when we come back, we'll talk more with uh, Bill English about Bible and business and uh, and all things relative to just how our Christian faith intersects with our daily life and our vocation. So you're listening to Faith Radio Mornings. I'm Dr. Peter Kapsner. We'll be back in just a couple minutes here. Oh, it's eight minutes past the hour. Matt, you're killing me by just rubbing in this Billy Ocean reference here in Caribbean Queen. I feel like I'm 14 years old all over again. 
On that say, we're joined in studio on Faith Radio Mornings by Bill English, comes in each week and talks about Bible and business with us. And the interesting headline you sent my direction that I couldn't quite sort out at first, and that was the idea of how much we're getting burned out through collaboration in business. And I would think, Bill, <laughs> that collaboration is this positive word, and, and it allows us to, to interact and share the burdens with each other. But you're finding something very different these days as people are getting more and more burnt out. Well, anything uh, in extreme will burn you out. It really doesn't matter what it is, except maybe for sleep. And so... <laughs> I could use a lot more of that. Yes, yeah, I, I could use a lot more of that, too. So uh, this is an HBR, Harvard Business Review article uh, that I read recently, and they talk about collaboration burning people out because of beliefs, uh, role schedules network is the second one, and then behavior is, is, a, uh, is a third one. And how does this play itself out in the daily lives of business people where this is, this is taking shape? Yeah, a lot of people believe that, or a lot of people live with the belief that they want to be helpful, seen as helpful, relevant, participatory, uh, collaborative. Yeah, these are all such positive words, Bill. Yeah, they are. But at some point, you get involved in so many things that you really can't keep up and it starts to burn you out. Hmm. And so what are some uh, suggestions and ways in which you're obviously still part of a team in business and there's there's responsibilities associated with that, but what are some ways that you can kind of take back some of your, your schedule and maybe avoid some of the burnout? Yeah, so some of the things that, that you can do that really to get to the nub of this is you want to list out what your key priorities are in your job, what your core deliverables are back to your to your employer. And then you need to manage your attention towards those things. Collaboration has a way, uh, when when it's too broad and it's too much, it has a way of distracting us. And so we don't pay enough attention to the core aspects of what we're being measured on in our jobs. And then uh, after that, you want to make sure that you're um, uh, spending time on equal or better value uh, Mm. than than what your core uh, efforts are, and you want to be saying no to some of the stuff that isn't really core to what you do. Mm. Does it help, too? I think... uh there's this, uh, with the advent of technology and the way it's taking shape in our in our culture, that there's this pressure to almost be always on, that you're always accessible, you're always available, whether it's 7 or 8 or 9 or 10 o'clock at night, you get a text from your boss, you get an email, that there's this weird, it's all blended together, our life and our work. Can you talk about that a bit? Yeah, you know, and, and we're running into this in a number of places. Uh, for instance, we got a letter from our bank at one of the engagements that I'm working on on Saturday night. Hmm. And why why a bank would send us electronically a letter on Saturday night and expect us to have consumed it and responded to it by Monday morning is beyond me. Uh, you've got to take time to turn off. Yeah. One of the things I recommend is that you go dark. You know, you go you you just turn off Outlook, you turn off email, you turn off Twitter, you turn it off for one to two hours, and you uh, focus on your job. Eighty-five uh, percent of our time now in in today's world is really spent on basically um, doing email, going to meetings, and being on the phone. Eighty-five percent of it. An so that's an incredible amount of collaboration. A credible amount of collaboration and interpersonal activity. You need more reflective time. Uh, if you're an executive, I'm recommending now that you take uh, at least one day a month. But try to get one day a month away from the office or one day a month where your office is locked out, where you are not interruptible. People simply cannot schedule. They can't call you. They can't email. They can email you, but you're not going to respond. And and you take time to actually reflect and, and reprioritize. It's amazing how 
uh, where, you know, you, you and your job, me and mine and others who are listening here in their jobs, if you just take a day a month or even a day a quarter and you get away and you say, what am I real? What have I really been spending my time on? You can use a product from Microsoft called My Analytics, and it'll hmm. analyze your email and your calendar to tell you where you've been spending your time. Oh, it's fascinating. And uh, and just use it. Use a tool like that and say, is this really where I should be spending my time, and how can I reprioritize? Hmm. And how do you help people as the workday ends then too to go dark for the remainder of their day that they're not feeling the pressure to log in? Because of course we can log into almost any system remotely these days, and almost any profession we can really, if we wanted to, be working 24/7. So what does it look like to go dark, you know, after the workday ends? You know, I that I don't know because I'm usually sitting up doing emails while I'm watching House Hunter or yeah, yeah. you know Good Bones or whatever it is. Uh, in in fact, last night I emailed you and Paul around 7 or 7.30 with the notes for today's spot. You right? did, yeah. And absolutely. I was really surprised that you responded because yeah. I thought, well, the guy's got to be getting to bed around 8 or 8.30 to get up as early <laughs> as you do. But and when you get that doctorate, you know, Bill, you, you learn some techniques so you don't even need to sleep anymore. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, and I know that you, you're troubled were by you, that. Were you one of those guys in grad school who could do about four hours a night and you were fine? No, no, no. My wife can attest to, you know, if I don't get that seven, eight oh, hours, oh, it's not a great scene. I tell you, there were some guys in seminary about four hours yeah. a night. They were good, and I was so jealous of oh, them. Oh, I never liked those people. You know, Christian love was something I struggled with in that kind yeah. of situation. So, <laughs> yeah, but can you go, and, and to your point, I mean, I'm a little bit pot calling the kettle black here. How can we go dark You just in, in You just evening? turn off your phone. And do you, do you, over time, do you sort of let the, the waters calm? You're not feeling always this tension that I've got to be checking in? Yes, and if you are feeling tension because you're not checking in, then that, to me, that shows there might be an addictive quality to your collaboration. Yeah. If you can't turn it off and and uh, without feeling anxiety, then to me there's a little bit of addictive quality there. Yeah, great word. We're speaking with our regular guest, Bill English, here about the Bible and business and bringing these two fields together. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, Bill, you have some business tips we'll talk through. And then also, you've got a trip coming up to Israel that would be do, really fun yes. to walk through. All yeah. right. Well, this is Faith Radio Mornings. We'll take a short break and be back with more with Bill English. Is that more 1980s music, Matt? Are you still, you're still teasing me. You and Paul are still kind of jamming it in relative to this Billy Ocean reference. Are you not? The power of love, baby. The power of love. Come on, that's Huey Lewis. That is Huey Lewis. How can you not like Huey Lewis? Back to the Future. It was Back to the Future, one of the all-time classics, right, with the DeLorean. And how fast (laughs) did they have to go again to get through time? 88 miles an hour. Uh, You know, I have, I mean, I shouldn't admit this, but I've never managed to travel back through time when I hit that speed. (laughs) So, Bill, have you ever been back through time? I know you're you're going 88 all the time, you know, in your life. No, I actually, I I drive the speed limit. You drive the speed limit. I do. Yeah, I find driving under grace actually sometimes is helpful. I don't know that that's the best policy, but... uh, but We'll roll with that. So I love, uh, you know, on your Bible and business site and some of what you get into, Bill, one of um, the tips that you talk about that are undeniable, you have 68 undeniable truths about business ownership. I do, yep. And, and one of them that I really in, enjoy, and especially dealing with young people who are trying to figure out their vocation and the kinds of things that they want to do with their life, 
there gets to be this weird split between what some would consider a holy calling towards vocational ministry or something in the Bible theology field, and then all of the sort of secular uh, junior varsity kinds of roles in life, you know. And and, um, you make the point that God really does call some people to own business, that this is also a Christian vocation or can be that. Oh, sure it is, because some some people are entrepreneurs. Actually, a lot of pastors are entrepreneurs, as, as you might suspect. Yeah. Uh, but God does call some people to own a business, to create wealth, and to steward that wealth for the kingdom of God. And so, uh, yeah, the the calling to own a business is a high and holy calling. I estimate there's somewhere between two and three million Christian business owners nationwide wow. based on some census numbers and other things that I throw into the formula. And uh, <clears throat> whether they own a business of 100,000, or some alone businesses of 100 million or more doesn't matter your your stewardship responsibilities and opportunities philanthropy opportunities before the lord are significant mm. and that is as much a calling as it is being a pastor being a missionary or being a practical theology professor mm-hmm. <laughs> so how does uh, how would you suggest if you're a christian business person i mean how what are some tangible ways that it might impact your your daily decision making in business and and how you go about it <clears throat> Yeah, that's really, really great. Actually, a very insightful question. Uh, at Bible and Business, we have the four purposes for, uh, for, for business. Each one of those purposes has a measurement that goes with it. Hmm. So it, it's, it's products, people, passions, and, uh, uh, philanthropy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when you go through those four, if those are the four purposes for business that I think God has given us in Scripture, then how are we measuring our business towards success mm-hmm. of fulfilling those purposes? And uh, you will find that those those things are not measured in most MBA programs, even at even at Christian colleges. They're they're just not discussed. Yeah, you have another uh, tip. This is uh, tip number five, and and I wanted to hone on on this because we had the Kostenbergers on in our first segment this morning at the six o'clock hour, and they talked about the importance of developing character uh, with our kids more than even achievement at that point. Yeah. And and you say uh, success <laughs> depends more on character than skill. And yet so much of what we're doing is we're teaching skills to say more about the development of character. You know, if if you uh, if you believe that given your brains, your talents, your passions, your education, all that is your persona, if you're not achieving all that you could, it's not a skill issue. It's a character issue. Mm. Have you ever met crazy smart people who never fulfill their potential? Absolutely. It's always because of their character. They lack the ability to face into the negative and deal with conflict. They lack the ability to build uh, alliances. They lack the ability to develop trust. They lack the ability to get people to follow them. They The, the relational aspect, the character aspect is lacking in their lives. Uh, and yet you find people who are the opposite. People who are just mediocre in skill but have great character can often go farther than those with great skill and mediocre character. Mm. And would you suggest there's uh, one particular character, or just even a couple uh, dimensions of character, you'd say if you you really can develop this part of your character in your life, it's going to take you a long ways. The two that I would say, one is the ability to face into conflict and resolve it, and the second one would be... Um, gosh, it just came into my head and then left. Uh, oh, yes. The second one would be the ability to, to, develop, to develop trust with other people yeah. and then have them follow you as, well, as a leader. And I'd love to follow up with that because you uh, mentioned another, maybe one final point out of this uh, this section that you have is that number 16, it says, 
that people just know people can and will lie to you. So yes. how do you develop a sense of trust while recognizing that sometimes people are going to take advantage of you? Yeah, it's it's, it's an intuitive thing. You've okay. got to be able to uh, read between the lines of what they're saying and try to listen to the heart behind it. Uh, but I've I've had more people just lie bold face mm-hmm. to my face over the years as leading businesses. Uh, and you just got to be prepared for it. You don't take it personally. It's not a personal thing. It's that's how they get through life sometimes is by lying about what's actually going on. So one of the things I end my management team meetings with is, have you given me the last 10 percent? And by that, what I mean is the last 10 percent is the part of the message or what your thoughts that are really difficult to articulate because, you know, it's going to lead to conflict. And so I go around and I do a gut check with everybody and I say, last 10%, you give them the last 10%. You do that about a half a dozen times in management team meetings and pretty soon people are, are using it. They're going, Bill, I got to give you the last 10% here. Uh, I got to believe that develops just the kind of team that really can it work. Does. Yeah, it's great. It does. Well, we only have a few minutes left and I really want to get to your Israel trip as yeah. well. And so when I think about Israel trips, I'm always thinking about ministry leaders and, and pastors taking people to Israel. Maybe <laughs> it's an excuse to get to Israel themselves, right? So uh, tell us what's underneath this trip for you. What, when are you going? What's happening? We're going in the last half of October of this year, we're going to go uh, with uh, JCF Tours. It's a tour I've been on before, so I know. I know Yoni. Yoni's actually an American who now lives in Israel. Uh, he's probably more Israeli than he is American, but he's still evangelical. Uh, and we're going to go visit the Red Sea. We're going to visit Galilee. We're going to visit Mount Carmel, the place where David and Goliath fought, yeah. uh, Bethlehem, Jerusalem, uh, just a whole, whole tour. It's going to be 13 days. And uh, I'm leading the tour, and I will be doing some of the teaching over there, and Yoni will be doing some of the teaching. And uh, we're going to have a series of Bible studies before we go to look at what happened what happened at the places that we're going to visit. Uh, we still have some spots open. I was just going to ask. Yeah, you do have some spots open. How can people access uh, potentially getting involved with this tour? You know, what they can do is email me at bill at bibleandbusiness.com. Okay, it's bill just, at bibleandbusiness.com. And, yeah, and the and is A-N-D, yeah. bill at bibleandbusiness.com. Got they it. can just email me. Uh, they should count on about $4,500 uh, per person plus incidentals. So I tell people it's five grand a person. Sure. It's a little spendy, uh, but you know what? <clears throat> if you've never been to Israel... It just uncorks how you read the scriptures. It does. Because so much of the interpretation of the Bible is based on the geography at the time. And so if you don't understand the geography, you won't understand what it was for uh, Elisha to follow Elijah from Bethel to Gilgal to Jericho across the Jordan. And, And when you actually see those places, you go, oh, I start to understand why that was such a momentous thing for him to follow. And also, quite frankly, what shape Elijah must have been into <laughs> at his age to do it. <laughs> Way better than you and me, I suspect. And it's well said. I had a chance to study for three and a half weeks in Israel as an undergrad. And it oh, just and, and the Bible just blows open, like you said, because of it. it. I remember sitting in the Garden of Gethsemane, and yes. they were saying that these olive trees are likely 2,000 or old, years or older. And these would have been the same trees that would have been there when Jesus and the disciples. Yes. I mean, the, the world of the Bible really does expand in front of you. It really does. And being able to just just to see the see the terrain and learn how people had to manage their lives in that terrain huge 
Huge. Uh, so I would invite anybody who has never been or who has been but wants to go again. Uh, we have some spots left. It's the last half of October. Send me an email. How many people are going on the tour overall? Right now we got 20. 20. So it's a good number. It's, it's not too many. That It sounds like you can have some good conversations but not be overwhelming with the number of people. Correct. We, we could probably put another 10 in here That's and, great. and be very comfortable. That's great. That's Bill English. And tell us one more time where they can go if they want to join this tour. Uh, they, just email me, Bill, at BibleAndBusiness.com. I love that you come on each week. Thank you. I just look that, forward to this conversation. Thanks, it goes way too fast. We are 26 minutes past the top of the hour. We'll take a break for news and come back for the last part of our program. Stay with us.